Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You get to the end of the year and let's say it is a pound and you got your £52. And you go and buy, uh, I don't know what I was buying in those days. Football stickers. Well, I'm still doing that now for the kids, the World Cup ones. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the In For A Penny podcast, hosted by me, Josh Gersler, a chartered financial planner and owner of The Orchard Practice, and co-hosted by Mark Schoffman, a personal finance journalist. We're here to simplify all things personal finance and money related in the hope that you will be able to learn one small thing each episode which helps improve your life and have some fun whilst you listen to us. Hit the subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. Bit of, a, bit of an update for you guys on the building work on our house. We are now seven and a half months into a 12 to 14 week project. So uh, <laughs> going a bit slowly. Flooring is in. Uh, windows are in the builder seems to have lost interest though so everything is like 90% done nothing is completely finished so a bit frustrating for us but hopefully uh, not too much longer the World Cup has just started England haven't played their first game yet but by the time you listen to this we could be uh, knocked out so let's see how it goes this episode is a joint episode with Andy Hart, who is host of the Maven Money podcast. We've given Mark a week off this week. The podcast is called 10 Money Lessons I Wish I Knew Sooner. So in for a penny listeners, I give you the latest episode, 10 Money Lessons I Wish I Knew Sooner. Welcome to the show today. Today is a co-hosted show with a good friend of mine, Josh Gersler, who's a fellow financial planner at the Orchard Practice, uh, based in Borehamwood. Is that what you uh, what you That's say? Right. And he's and he's also the host of uh, another podcast, financial money podcast called In for a Penny. Welcome to the show, my friend. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Andy. How are you? I'm good, my friend. I'm good. So yeah, today we are doing a top 10 show, top 10 money lessons I wish I knew sooner. Um, we'll have a bit of a sort of talk around that and then we'll do our top five in descending order. Five to one, is that right? Who knows? <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, we'll end up ascending with... Ascending uh, order. Ascending order, not descending order. Ascending order. Um, yeah, so thoughts on this show topic, my friend? Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting one because you always get asked what's the top money tip or what you wish you knew sooner. So to be able to put it together for people will hopefully be a, a good chat and a nice listen. And we haven't conferred that much, but um, yeah, we had a bit of a brief chat before we came on. Uh, a couple of mine that didn't make the cut. Uh, so things like the things you own end up owning you. What I mean by that is there's often paperwork, tax returns, contract renewals, insurance, you know, so when you first start out, you think, oh, I need to acquire stuff and own stuff. And then you get to, I don't know, the midpoint of the financial journey and think, is this actually what it's all cracked up to be? So that was one of mine that didn't make the cut. Nice. Uh, any of yours that didn't make the cut? Mine are all on my list. They all made the cut, my top five. They're all on the list. All right. Well, let's, uh, no more delay. Let's get in with your uh, number five, my friend. What's your number five? My number five is that possessions aren't important possessions don't mean anything so if i think back to being a young whippersnapper 
when you get a bit of money, you're keen to buy things with it. You want to buy stuff. You want the nice watch, the trainers, the baseball cap, the car, the house, whatever it is. And really, that stuff isn't important. And as you get older and you start to realise that and appreciate it, things like family, children, spending time with friends, making memories, those are the important things. And those are the places where I like to spend my money. And in conversations with clients, on the whole, when you're asking what is this for, what's this money for in the future, I find it is often, it's not that I want a really big car, it's I want to be able to travel with my wife, my husband, I want to be able to pay for my kids' education. So my number five is that possessions aren't necessarily important. I like it. I like it. Uh, my number five is a bit more sort of practical, I suppose. Um, start your investing as soon as you can. Start investing as early as you can. Even if it's a tiny amount, uh, 50 pounds a month, something like that. And even if you're in debt, I'm a fan of investing even if you're in, in debt because you learn so many valuable lessons with it. And the sooner you can get into good money habits, the the, the better. I think it is that trade-off isn't it between you start off with bad money habits and then you exchange the bad habits for the good habits as such um so yeah invest as soon as possible you learn about the stock market your experience volatility you'll have a bit of an introduction to compounding uh, and as soon as you can hit your first targets i think it sort of sets you on a good path as in you got your first you know, £100 invested, £1,000 invested, £5,000, £10,000. And when you automate this, um, you know, uh, paying yourself first every month, uh, automatic investing, uh, we always say start low, uh, you can nudge up later on. So for me, it's a practical one. Number five is uh, start investing early. That's a great one. I actually had a meeting with some clients on uh, Friday and um, they've got kids 18 and uh, I think 21 and the 18 year old we set up a, a junior uh, the 18 year old we set up a junior ISA for a couple of years ago and they've said like, I wish my kids could have start learning about this stuff early so when she's 18 would you mind having a meeting with her would you mind sort of her becoming a, a proper client and explain to her how it works so that's exactly what you're saying start early put your money away early it's great yep Definitely, definitely, yeah. Uh, obviously, with the invention of, yeah, things like junior ices and things like that, yeah, you can start, let's say, before 18. Uh, but as I say, it just teaches you all those uh, good money lessons. So, yeah, that's that. Over to you to number, for number four, my friend. Number four is that not everyone understands money and thinks about it the same way that I do. And I might not think about money the same way as you do. So we all have our, I think you used the phrase a minute ago, money habits, whether they're, they're good or bad. And sometimes things that I think are obvious, other people is completely alien to financially. And things that I might think are a bit odd, someone else thinks is perfectly normal for money. So I guess from an advisor point of view, when, when you're sitting with a client, um, it's you've got to treat everyone as a, a blank page and don't just assume because yep. I realize that you should not be paying 20% on your credit card debt and earning 1% in the bank, that that trade-off's not right, that everyone understands that. So it's taking a step yep. back and and treating everyone 
um, and giving them the information and the facts that they need to know. So not everyone understands mining the same way that, that we do. And it is uh, money stories people tell themselves, isn't it? You know, how money was when they were growing up, um, you know, what experience they had on it. And also sort of timing has somewhat to play in it. So, you know, did they run into like a serious recession quite early on in their career? Did it affect their business? Did it affect their family? Um, Yes, all these things are sort of, I suppose, subconscious money stories, aren't they? And then obviously sometimes people can articulate some money stories, but, you know, it's pretty tricky to sort of separate the two. Um, Yeah. All right. Good stuff on that, mate. My number four, again, it's a bit more of a practical one. Uh, Tax is complex, but it's essential to understand um, again, this is probably in the uh, more the wealth building sort of stage. Uh, yeah, tax is complex, but I believe it's essential to understand. I mean, initially you start off with income tax, uh, national insurance maybe. If you're building businesses, you're going to have to understand about corporation tax and VAT. Later on, if you've got assets that have sort of had some some financial gains in them, you learn about capital gains tax. And, and the, the tax landmines are, are basically everywhere on the sort of wealth building, wealth creation journey. You just have to get sort of better at sort of uh, navigating it. Um, but yeah, so yeah, for me, tax is, uh, as I say, complex but essential to understand. Have you had any um, experiences where you've come across people that have just got completely messed up in tax and caused themselves problems? Yeah, I think it's people who initially set up businesses. That's what I see. Um uh, or even a lot of sort of sole is yeah, so people who I mean employees don't really get themselves into trouble with tax, do they? Um, they don't even really. I, I, I could be wrong, but they often don't really think about it. I mean, obviously they're just bothered about the net income, um, you know, the after tax money. But I don't even think they think that long and hard about the tax numbers. Um, so yeah, what what I see big problems is when someone sets up a relatively new business and then you know the tax on account which is yeah. a bit of a horribly complicated system. So if you have quite a quite a good year uh, in your business, some people might have allocated 20, 30% of the, of, of the sort of tax aside or something. But then they get hit with this enormous bill because it's the bill for sort of this month and a bit for next year and, and then they're chasing their tail. Um, even a good friend of mine who runs quite a big um, business is telling me he's constantly chasing his tail with tax drawing out money out of the company that then he's gonna to have to pay more tax on anyway to pay the tax bill and you know it's just a bit of a uh, a bit of a vicious circle sometimes i see that a lot that people and often it's from the accountant i think when i first um started running a business and when i paid myself my salary and my dividends i put a certain percentage of that aside to pay the tax bill when it yep. came the following year yeah, and but, but that's yep. not a common thing. But accountants don't encourage their clients to to do that. Uh, that's where I thought it would have come from. The accountant saying that. Yeah, you're right. It's not a uh, it's not an absolute principle that they lead with. Like, so if you take out two thousand pounds, immediately put six hundred pounds away. Let's say just to keep it simple, which is thirty percent. Um, no, I, I don't think they bang on about that. But some some do because then some clients get themselves really stuck in it, don't they? And they're like. Um, well, I've always been putting 35% aside or something in a, in a separate bank account. And then sometimes you think, actually, you're probably putting aside a bit too much because of X, Y, Z reasons. But at least they're in, at least they're in an okay um, uh, habit of doing it. Um, so, yeah, that's my uh, number four. Over to you for your number three, my friend. My number three is that 
cheap is expensive and expensive is cheap. So I'll just say that once more. Cheap is expensive and expensive is cheap. So sometimes we want to be careful with the money and we don't want to spend too much on certain things, which can actually come and bite you on the backside in the long run. So from a, I can think from a personal experience um, when we had a bit of a problem with a, a, a leaky roof, we just thought we'd take the cheap option to patch it up. But in the long run, it ended up costing us more money because we had to do a bigger piece of work on the roof. And I've seen it as well from um, clients' point of view where sometimes you come across people that maybe don't want to pay a fee for, let's say, financial advice and financial planning and want to go about things themselves, and then end up making big mistakes, which cost them, cost them far more in the long run. So my number three yeah. is cheap is expensive and expensive is cheap. One of mine that didn't make the cut was, yeah, be financially generous to those who you love. You know, spending on others is a is a great feeling. So it's on yeah, a nice. sort of similar similar vein. Um, my number three is credit card debt should be avoided at all costs. Uh, this is one that crops up quite a bit. Young people are told about this, but most young people do get themselves into a bit of a pickle with credit card debt because it seems like free money. Um, and usually credit card debt is built up just through you know having an ex- an excess lifestyle. There isn't there usually a, a real reason for it, like as in you know, a boiler needed replacing or anything like that. Normally, it's just excess spending, trying to impress people that you don't really know. So, yeah, credit card debt is bad debt. It's crappy debt. So try and avoid credit card debt at all costs, basically. But as I say, you probably need to make your own mistakes with that one. Um, At certain times in your life, if that's the only option you have, at least it's there. But then, obviously, you want to try and pay it off as soon as possible. Um, and certainly going into a sort of new business cycle environment that we're heading into at the moment, um, the less debt, the leaner you are, the less overhead you have, the the, the sort of better. So th- there's never really a good time to build up credit card debt. So that's my number three, a bit more practical nice on the uh, credit card debt. And when you're, uh, when you're starting out, when you're going to university, they're trying to chuck this stuff at you. Yeah, sign up for credit cards. Yep. You can put a thousand pounds on it or whatever it may be. And you think, great, yep. you know, I can spend that. Um, they don't yep. tell you how it works. Suddenly, you're paying twenty percent interest, <laughs> and your thousand pounds is twelve hundred pounds or whatever it may be. Um, it, it is funny that most people go to uni and get themselves into a right financial pickle when they should be, you know, financially savvy. These, you know, university students—they are the worst with money because they're just going into it so sort of gung ho. Anyway, so, fun and games. Do you do you use a credit card? Not really, no. What, do you do everything on debit cards? You mean like Amex points and all that jazz? Yeah, so just for like day-to-day spending, will you use a credit card no. or just straight out of the bank on the debit card? Straight debit cards. Do you use a credit card? I do. I use one because I build up – got an Amex to build up air miles. Yeah. And where they don't take the Amex, I've got one that gives me, I think it's half a percent cash back or whatever it may be. But I never put more in it than I know – I can afford to spend and I've got a direct debit set sure. up every month that clears it. So I, I use it in effect as a debit card because I know it's going to get cleared every month. 
Yeah, sure. What do they call them? Charge cards in the old days, as in it was fully the balance was fully paid at the end of the month. I know it has the facility to obviously build it up. I mean, and the interest rate on Amex is astronomical, isn't it? It's like over 100% on some of them. It's just some crazy numbers. Um, obviously, there's probably probably better ones as well. Now, I just I just put everything on curve. So, so I, I, like, I like the information, as in I want to know what I'm spending high level yeah. without overanalyzing it. So, so does the credit card give you that sort of useful information? I don't know. I, I think it can if you go onto the app and it categorizes it, if that's what you mean. Oh, but you, yeah, you, you haven't done that. No, you're not too bothered no, about that. No, I don't bother with all that. Probably should do, but I, but I don't. And Curve, is that the one where it collates all your cards onto one card? Yeah, Curve's amazing. Absolutely mind-blowing. I mean, I got obviously a few di- different debit cards, a few different businesses. So, yeah, Curve for me is, is, is mind-blowing. It, it does have cash back on it to some degree. It's built into the app anyway um, without you having to do too much. But, yeah, the information on it is amazing. Uh, and if you, if I went to a shop and bought it with, I don't know, business A, and then I got home and thought, oh, I've put it on the wrong card, you can do this thing called Time Machine. So it pays back the old one and then debits it from the, from another account. It's okay. mind blowing. Yeah, it does some some seriously um, impressive stuff. So yeah, that's a yeah, massive fan of Curve. Over to you for number two, I think, mate. Yeah, number two on my list is that one or I am worth more than maybe I think. So by that, I mean, you have a price that you charge yourself out on, whether you are employed and you get paid a salary of 20 grand a year, 100 grand a year, or a million pounds a year, or whether you're a financial advisor and you charge X pounds for your work. It's to have confidence in yourself and to have confidence in your worth. Because you might come across some people in life or in business that want to take advantage and don't want to pay your fees or want to knock you down. But you've probably spent time building your craft, honing your skills, studying, listening to podcasts, whatever it may be, to get yourself where you need to be. And you have a value and you should be proud of your value and not sell yourself short. So that's my number two, I think we're up to. And how does that skill build? Is that just confidence, uh, being a bit more experienced in your craft, whatever that is? Uh, is that is that having made the mistakes, had having had awkward situations where people are pushing you back on price? Like, is it just a combination of everything that sort of builds that? Muscle? I think it's I think it's confidence and experience, um, but not arrogance. So if I think yeah. back to when I first started. Um, I needed to earn a living, so I had to. All those, see all those moons ago, all those yeah. moons ago. So I had to see anyone and everyone, all times of day and night. And if someone said, "Oh, can you, you know, get, do me a bit of a deal, knock it off?" I said, "Yeah, no problem," because I had to pay the bills. Yeah. <laughs> and then I came across, as it went, as time went on, um, bad experiences where I think I can think back to an example when we were helping someone with a, a mortgage and they said, um, you know, I've got X amount of mortgages I'm going to need you to do in the future, so don't charge me for this one and you'll get all my others. And, yeah. and I thought, you know what, yeah, that's a good idea and never heard from the person again. Um, and I find I always want to help people and you always want to do favours, but actually it's better off saying that this is the – this is what this is the cost. This is what I'm worth. If it works for you, great. If it doesn't, you know, move move on and find someone else that can 
that can help you. Okay, good stuff. Have you had any um, bad experiences or good experiences like that? Oh, yeah, of course. I've been in business 17 years, um, you know, dealt with probably thousands of people at this stage. Um, so I also I deal with end clients like you do, uh, but I also have financial advisors who are who are clients of mine through, you know, a couple of other businesses that I run. So, yeah, uh, an expert is someone who's made all the mistakes. There isn't any shortcuts. Um, so, yeah, if you're an expert in business, an expert in pricing, believe me, you've made all the mistakes. You've had some some horror situations with with clients and uh, various other moving parts in business. Um, yeah, things like, yeah, I, I never want people to do me any sort of favors. You know, I always want to pay a fair amount for something. Um, I'll often pay people more as well because I think I think it's, uh, for example, I've got a new I think cleaning lady that's working with me. I think she charges thirteen pounds an hour. I was like, oh, I'm going to pay you seventeen pound fifty. Is that all right? She's like, yeah, that's fantastic <laughs> because I mean, who's she going to be looking after the most when you know push comes to shove, as it were? So I like She'll to start off spending on a, a lot of hours there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, and uh, yeah, pay a little bit more here, there, and everywhere. I think it puts a sort nice. of good taste in people's mouth and starts the relationship off uh, from a from, from from a good point. Um, yeah. Okay. Moving on to number two for me. Number two for me is again a bit more practical. Um, so your investing contributions, as in when you start investing, your investing contributions need to do the heavy lifting. Too often, people focus on the return. So I'm investing almost nothing every month but what is it going to turn into it's like no 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 the heavy the heavy lifting the heavy lifting needs to be your investment contributions the returns will come the returns are sort of in the early early stages the sort of cherry on the top um people don't put enough effort into the uh, amount that they're saving and investing you know we we obviously have clients that let's say they're 60 65 they're sort of financially independent they have been giving it good effort for the last 30 years and they are obviously financially successful when sort of we meet them as such and then we other we have we have other people that hit sort of 60 65 and they don't really have much and they're sort of surprised or it's like well what have you been doing for the last 30 years you know oh, oh you set up this thing for 50 pounds a month and expected it to turn into you know millions of golden coins it doesn't work like that um so i, I think the financial results are mirrored by the effort you put into it I, again that sounds ridiculously obvious uh, so if you put bugger all effort into it you're gonna have a bugger all retirement if you put a fantastic amount of effort into it you can have a fantastic retirement so yeah bad going in is bad coming out great going in is going to be great coming out so yeah number two for me is your investing contributions need to do the heavy lifting uh, the returns will come anything on that yeah often we come across people that I set up this prudential pension in 1980. Yeah. The guy knocked on my yeah, door. I haven't looked at it since. <laughs> no. And you're like, I've been putting £50 a month away for 40 years. Where's my million pounds or whatever it may be? I came across a policy um, recently with a client. I've been looking after them for about 10 years. I know everything about them. But anyway, this random £22,000 from Zurich turned up. Yeah. They they basically contribute two and a half thousand pounds into this policy, and then many many decades later, don't get me wrong, and now it's worth twenty two thousand. I mean, surely they're looking at that thinking, this is magic. Like we put two and a half grand in in like the eighties, 
Like, is this a is it, this is this is a magic trick? And and you know, twenty eight years later, they're looking at twenty two and a half thousand pounds or something. They've put two and a half thousand pounds in. I mean, it does work. You know, the best investors. You know that famous saying: the best investors are dead, as in they forgot about it and they didn't touch it. Yeah. And the second best investors forgot. So yeah, that that those one of my clients forgot. You know, had they tinkered with it and tampered with it over the over the years, who knows what it would have ended up being. But yeah, so that's my number two. Uh, over to you, mate. Drum roll for your number one. My number one. So your number one top ten money lessons. I wish I knew sooner. Number one is. I wish I knew sooner that cash is not king or as Andy Hart would say cash is pauper that's my number one um as a youngster you get your 10p pocket money as I think it probably was in my day 10p a week or whatever it was and you put your <laughs> coin in your as if as <laughs> if surely it was a, a pound oh 5p then I, I don't know um you put it in your money box or your wallet or whatever you've got and um you get those and you get to the end of the year, and let's say it is a pound, and you got your fifty-two pounds, and you go and buy your. Uh, I don't know what I was buying in those days. Uh, your football stickers or whatever. Football it was. stickers. <laughs> well, I'm still doing that now for the kids, the World Cup ones. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, you're like, oh, oh god, I have to buy these stickers again for your yeah. four boys who are all but, going football mad. Strangely enough, there's far fewer stickers per packet nowadays than there was in my days. Same, gone up in price and fewer in the pack. So that's shrinkflation. We're gonna shrinkflation, we're, the, the, the price exactly. has gone up six <laughs> times, and we and we've taken two stickers out. It's like all the chocolates and everything, isn't it? The same uh, the same things happening. Chocolate bars. Um, yeah. So you put your money in your money box, or you put it in the bank as you start working and you start earning. And when you get to the end of the year, you've still got the same amount in the bank. And we know now from experience and from understanding the the way investments work and being financial literates that you need to invest your money in a well-diversified global equity portfolio to get those long-term returns. Don't get excited by having money in the bank. Invest, and it probably comes in one of your early ones, invest early, invest soon, invest young, because cash is not king, yep. investments are king. Again, it is amazing when people invest money over their working career and then when they need to spend the money, it, it it comes out of the returns as such and not the original capital. Um, you know, a somewhat personal example of that, I went through IVF um, having kids uh, and it was it's expensive. Uh, I think the last round cost whatever it cost, 10K, keep it simple. But the markets had done very well up to that point and, you know, I wasn't spending any original capital to pay for it. Um, you know, IVF is a miracle in itself and it worked and I got two twins or twins. Um, and obviously they cost me 10,000, but the reality is they don't really cost me anything because it's just gains. Um, which is crazy to think about. Whereas another couple, it would have cost them the 10 K cause they had kept their money in cash, obviously, cause they don't want to take any brackets risk with their money. Um, so yeah, understanding, the compounding effects of the stock market over a long period of time is is an absolute superpower. So, yep, I uh, concur everything you say there, my friend. I like the personal example there because money is a, a story we tell ourselves, and you can, and you've been able to sort of say and appreciate that I spent a lot amount of money on this IVF, but actually didn't cost me anything. The 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 money was put away, and it and it, it worked for itself. 
Yeah, exactly. The the great companies of the world covered the bill as such. Um, yeah, all good. All right, my final number one top 10 money lessons I wish I knew sooner. My number one is building wealth is a get rich slow scheme. Certainly for most people, I know you can have, you know, sudden wealth, fast money, but that's the uh, exception really. Um, and building wealth is a get rich slow scheme. And to reiterate, you're sort of killing off bad money habits and you're sort of nurturing good money habits. And there's sort of a trade-off of that. I think you start off with pretty much 100% bad money habits, don't you? Unless you've got a little bit lucky from something learning from your parents or your friends or your peers. And then you sort of start, you know, uh, switching the balance. Uh, and then, I don't know if you've seen this, but I've seen this to people in their probably early 50s where, back to your point originally, they've stopped buying the shiny useless things, the watches, the cars, the stuff, uh, you know, the more stuff you own starts uh, owning you and all that stuff. Uh, and they're also in good money habits that are investing probably more than they've ever invested. So their saving percentage is very high. Uh, so so their expenses are going down and their investment contributions are going up and their earnings are at peak. And it's not this sort of one plus one equals two situation. It's like this one plus one equals eight. You get this crazy... Well, our expenses are, the, uh, are sort of tailor, tailoring off quite quite aggressively. Uh, the amount we're investing is going up and up and up. Um, so they get themselves into fantastic positions. So, so what I mean is that is someone in their mid-40s might sit down with the financial planner and they'll think, well, I'm spending all of this. That's going to continue to go up. And then 10 years later, they're in a, they're, what they were extrapolating in their mid-40s is actually not the case in their mid fifties because they've got into, as I say, these uh, they've 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 killed the bad habits and they've um, nurtured the good habits. So, yeah, my number one is building wealth uh, is a get rich slow scheme. Yeah, it's it's not exciting to talk about and it doesn't thrill clients because they want you to say, oh, "I've got this amazing fund and we're going to move you to this one and that one and put your money here." Yeah, and ten times your money should be boring. We want it to be boring. We just want to hold their yeah. hands and and uh, it happens nice and slowly. You get there. You can yawn at the end when you've got this massive pot of money, which has done nothing over <laughs> the years apart from grow for you. <laughs> Comfortably. All right. That's good, mate. A quick recap of your top five, please. A quick recap of my top five. Number five was um, possessions don't mean anything. Number four, not everyone understands money the same way you do. Number three, cheap is expensive. Expensive is cheap. Number two, I'm worth more than some people think. And number one, cash is not king. That's a great top five. My number five is invest early. You know, automate your investing. Start low, um, nudge up later on. My number four is tax is complex but essential to understand. Number three is credit card debt should be avoided at all costs. Number two, your investing contributions need to do the heavy lifting, not the returns. And number one, building wealth is a get rich low scheme. All right. I think we did that well enough. That's our top 10, uh, five from each of us. A couple of other things didn't really make the cut. Thank you very much for appearing on the Maven Money podcast, my friend. And um, yeah, over to you to close us out. No, it's been a pleasure to discuss the top 10 with you and I look forward to chatting again soon. Thank you very much, my friend. See you soon. Please remember, anything discussed in this episode shouldn't be taken as financial advice. But if you do need support, feel free to contact us on Twitter 
you can reach me at Mark Schoffman and Josh at Josh Gersler. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Please leave us a review on your podcasting app that helps people find us and lets us know you're enjoying what you hear. So thank you for being in for a penny. Penny.